0: Hello, simpletons. You're listening to The Minimalist's Private Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Monday Minimalism, this new concept I wanted to run by Ryan. We're going to answer a bunch of your surprise questions. But first, Ryan, let's read some more about less. Yeah, man. I have an article from Joshua Becker, who was just on the podcast last week. <clears throat> oh, that was great. That was a great podcast. This one is called 21st Step Cluttering Decluttering Ideas. 21st step decluttering ideas. Your first step in the right direction doesn't need to be a big one. Too often, when we think about decluttering, our minds race to the toughest areas in our homes to declutter. We think about the garage, the attic, or the home office. We wonder about getting rid of sentimental items or photos or hobby supplies. But It can be both time-consuming and frustrating to declutter those spaces. We begin, get overwhelmed, and quickly throw up our hands and discuss. Instead, start your decluttering journey with an easy step. Find one small victory and allow it to motivate you to take the next hardest step, and then the next, and then the next. This reminds me a bit of the impetus for the 30-day minimalism game which we talked about on the minimal episode, Mm -hmm. but getting some momentum because if you try to start with the most difficult things, which we often do when Jordan was confronted with his grandmother's stuff, it's easy to get bogged down in the, I don't know what to do with this one thing, right? But there's about a hundred thousand things or maybe in Jordan's case, a million things. You certainly know what to do with. Mm. And it is a lot of it is unfortunately trash. Your grandma has been holding on to a lot of trash. Yeah. Right? Uh, things that can't be sold, donated, or even recycled. Mm-hmm. Because if you can sell it, great. Sell it. Try to get some money from it if it's over some threshold. Don't try to sell everything that's a dollar or 50 cents or five dollars or whatever if you got a lot of stuff. But if you have things that are over, say, a hundred dollars or whatever your threshold might be, for me, when I was still in debt, it was $20. Anything I could sell that I thought I could get more than $20 for, I would sell it. Heck yeah. If I couldn't sell it the first week, I'd lower the price could not sell it a month. I would donate it if I couldn't donate it because no one would take it. Well, then I would recycle it. If I couldn't recycle it eventually, then yes, it's going to end up in the trash heap. And unfortunately, we often get handed a lot of trash after someone mm, dies. Yeah. Something that can't be sold, recycled, donated. And so. Here are some decluttering ideas to get started to get you that momentum. Here are 20 first step decluttering ideas to help you get started. Number 1, declutter the inside of your car. That's a great first step because quite often, I mean, you can't have too much of a hoard in your car, although there are some people we certainly see the, yeah. and we'll jokingly see like it's full the whole back seat is full and the passenger seat is full and and it's like, "Oh wow, like there's a whole It feels like they've brought their whole house with them, right? Like they're living out of their car. Yeah. But (laughs) it'd be way harder to live out of a car with that much stuff in it. (laughs) Right. And so, but the average person just has a bunch of extra stuff that we're keeping in there. Why? Just in case. Mm -hmm. And so, starting with the car, oh, it's so freeing when you declutter your car. Mm-hmm. We don't have any access in your car. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with Joshua Becker and what he's saying here in this article. Your car is a great place to start. Yeah, Number two, clear off your bathroom counter. Man, flat services. This is where clutter often accumulates because it's so easy. Here, I'll just set this here for right. a moment.
1: Yeah, and so bef- enticing. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> oh, look at that. All that wide open space on the bathroom counter. <laughs> and then all before we know it it's makeup it's lotions it's mm-hmm. creams it's cleansers it's soap it's toothpaste all of these things that are just piled up there now the key isn't to simply pile it all into a drawer yeah but clear it off letting go of the things that you're not using anymore yeah. and then yes storing the things that you do use regularly now you can use our 9090 rule for that mm you can download all of our rules in the minimalist rule book, by the way, the minimalists.com slash rule book, 16 rules for living with less. We have the just in case rule. And now we have the 90, 90 rule. Have wow. I used it in the last 90 days? If not, will
1: I use it in the next 90 days? That's a great rule, especially for your bathroom counter. Oh yeah. It makes me think about, uh, like my shower before I really started doing the whole minimalist thing. I just. You know, you try a product, it kind of works, you know, a, a face wash or a shampoo or a conditioner. Mm-hmm. And like it sits in the shower and then you're like, okay, that didn't work too well. I'm going to go get something else. But you still leave the one that didn't work in the shower. Just in case. Just in case. And it's funny because, uh, yeah, like I really simplified, you know, the things that were my shirt. Now it's like soap, shampoo, conditioner. Like that's it. One soap, one shampoo, one conditioner. And uh, when Mariah and I moved in together... Um, we uh, yeah we like just simplified it to where um, yeah she was like wow this is so much easier to like take a shower without worrying about knocking over stuff I'm like yeah I know right <laughs> I I so much prefer
0: that when you're able to combine things now, obviously mm-hmm. if you're living with someone they're gonna have things that work well for them right you're gonna have and so doing... like Mariah and
1: I have completely different face tones
0: so we use different lipsticks. <laughs> 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 yes. And and so what's nice, though, is you can do this together. You can clear the counter together because mm-hmm. the thing to not do is like, I'll oh, just throw away all of Mariah's stuff here. Look, half of the stuff's already gone. Right. right yeah. So doing it together allows you to grab their buy in as well. The third thing on this list from Joshua Becker is remove 10 items from your wardrobe. Mm. I call this shopping for clothes in your closet <laughs> or, or it's like reverse shopping well because here's <laughs> what happens is like we quite often hold on to things like I, i'm wearing that i bought it because it looked good on a mannequin but i know like i try it on and it's a little too big or a little mm. too small a little too awkward or a little too orange and i'm holding on to this thing for some hypothetical use in the future mm-hmm. and so i'll try it on oh, yeah, you know what? I don't like this. I don't think I would buy it. And if that was a key, oh, I don't think I'd buy this. That's the sign that I want to let it go. Yeah. So would I rebuy this thing in my closet? If the answer is no, let it go. Ooh, that rhymed, Danny. Number four, (laughs) declutter the visible areas of your entertainment center. Mm. Or just get rid of your entertainment center. Right. Right. Get rid of your entertainment.
1: (laughs) Entertainment? There was this 2007. (laughs) Dude, that is funny, man. I can't think of the last time I even let... Yeah have seen an entertainment center <laughs> I, I'm just kidding I have a credenza which is
0: a fancy way Do of you? saying I mean you, you've you been to my house a few uh, times yeah for sure I it, have a credenza oh, there
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. like we're the bull's sitting on top of and stuff yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. so I guess that's
0: my entertainment center there's okay. some books on top of it there's yeah. a piece of art on top of it there's a, a few va- uh, vases is it vases? 14 inches or higher I don't uh, know depends on how pretentious you are really <laughs> 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 well then they're definitely vases yeah <laughs> <laughs> number five i think this is an important one clear off your nightstand
1: mm. nightstand clutter oh yeah is there it's like it's a there's a feng shui element to this right dude but i used to use a cajon the cajon that you gave me i used to use that as my nightstand which is like a drum that you sit on right yeah it's like a box basically yeah a drum box you could think of it uh so we um, we had mismatching um, nightstands. So we just happened to like be driving by. There's a garage sale. Like saw the nightstands out of the corner of my eye. I was like, oh, like we've been looking for some nightstands. So we got them, but they have drawers in them. And now it's like now I now I just have extra storage for things. <laughs> I mean I didn't I, I don't have them all filled up, but I just noticed myself like, oh to store that in the nightstand. I will just store it. Like I now have, you know, uh, nightstand junk drawers, basically. So you went and bought at <laughs> two accidental junk drawers. Right. Yeah.
0: So yes, you can clear the nightstand, mm-hmm. but don't simply clear it into the drawer. By clearing it, it's selling, <laughs> donating, recycling, trashing, etc. Oh, I've
1: been doing it wrong.
0: Number six: walk around your home and fill one box with items to donate. We'll do this with Ella quite frequently, mm. and because she'll have toys that she's no longer finding value in Mm -hmm. and she lets them go and she understands by letting them go she's actually making room for new toys yeah and if she understands that as a kid we can understand that as adults as well or we're also making room for more experiences more space more peace more calm and so one donation box and having the whole family do it you can
1: do it in five minutes and all of a sudden you're getting started on the letting go. Dude, I went and visited uh, Mariah and I went and visited uh, Bex and Ella when we were in Missoula just a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, Ella wanted to play Operation mm-hmm. and half of the pieces were missing and it was driving me crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but she really had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned a lesson <laughs> about about um you know not being OCD when it comes to playing operation. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's read a
0: few more of these 20 and we'll put a link to the article in the show notes on Patreon here. All right, number 6, we already did that. Number 7, walk around your home and fill one bag for trash pickup. This is the unfortunate truth. Mm. We are holding on to a bunch of trash yeah. in our homes. Yeah. Now, if it can be recycled, great but as we know we're not that efficient with recycling nine percent of the plastic bottles that we recycle actually get recycled and the same is true with many of our things and so we feel bad so what do we do we cling to it now it's making us miserable and it's not getting recycled yeah and so yes throwing it away is a last resort but sometimes we have to resort to that last resort mm-hmm. when we have no other options so we can move
1: on it's with inter- our lives it's interesting i remember we went to a this was in new york we were filming someone who was like a minimalist but they were also zero waste mm-hmm. and they were talking about how they had like this one tub of like uh you know bad light bulbs or like stuff they didn't know how to get rid of yeah so they just like held on to it and uh yeah i just I think I was just like encouraging this person. Like, hey, sometimes you have to throw some things away. It's okay. And yeah, by and the way, bravo for living the life that you yeah. live. Right. And it, but it's either trash in your closet or it's trash in the landfill. And at least in the landfill, it would decompose faster than sitting in your closet.
0: That's right. Yeah. Unless you misunderstand compost piles like me. <laughs> I just dropped an apple on the floor Dude, three that, minutes ago. Yeah,
1: that was... Uh, it's so, already gone. So like, all right. So <laughs> yeah, so Josh um you know back in back in the day like year i don't know tw- in our mid 20s uh-huh. uh you know there would be like a gum wrapper and and Josh would like fling it and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like you can't litter. And he's like, I'm starting a compost pile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then it became a joke. Like we'd right. be on tour. Yeah. Obviously, I don't do any of that stuff now, no, but yeah. we would be on tour and like we'd be on an elevator. I'd finish eating an apple. I'd just throw it on the floor in the elevator. And you're right. like, what are you doing? Oh, just compost. Compost pile. pile. H- don't worry about H- it. Helping
1: the environment. <laughs> and by the way, it was never more than a gum wrapper. Like you were not, you were not a litter bug at all. It was just like a little, yeah, anyway. Number eight. Remove
0: old or expired food from your pantry and fridge. We did a whole episode on expired items. You can go back and listen to that. But I was surprised by, and even as a minimalist, how many expired items. Now... Not all expired items are actually expired. So go back and listen to that whole episode. We talk about the nuances there and we read some definitions that I think were pretty important to understanding what is truly expired and what is marketing hype. Number nine, declutter old or unused coats and items from your coat closet. Mm. Never.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You little jacket slut, you.
0: (laughs) My wife calls me a jacket slut. I have six jackets and it's the one area that I am not super minimalist although i wear them all the time so in, in one regard you would say okay you get value from those they all fall within the 90 90 rule for me the seasonality rule mm-hmm. right and i've certainly worn all of them and anytime where i don't wear them i promptly let go of them yeah but could i get by with one jacket or one jacket one coat yeah for sure, sure. but i like having that uh, uh, some variety on the top layer because i'm wearing the same shirt and pants almost every single day, basically. Yeah. yeah. Number 10, clear off the top of your refrigerator. And this is especially helpful for really tall people like me. I'm of the height where I see, I go to everyone's house and I see everything that's <laughs> on top of their fridge. And it's it's always full of dust. Mm-hmm. And so it always drives me crazy at my house when it's full of dust. Other people's house, they don't drive me crazy, but I, I see it and I'm like, oh, they don't... That's funny, like... Just if you're two or three inches shorter than me, right. you don't see the dust on top of the the fridge. Right. And quite often people will pile
1: other things on top of their fridge as well. I don't know why, but like, I remember growing up, my mom had, it was like all these cookbooks that she'd never used. It was uh-huh. like all these cookbooks on top of the fridge. <laughs> yeah. And dust. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cookbooks collecting dust. Yeah, right. Ooh, was like a, A blog post title there or something. (laughs) Let's see if we can do a lightning round with the last 10. Recycle old magazines or newspapers that are left piled up. Yes. Guess what? You are not going to go back and read the third quarter details magazine from 2012. Yeah. It's time to, to let it go. Yeah.
1: And if you need to, it's online
0: yes indeed yeah number 12 declutter your underwear and or sock drawer I think he means underwear drawer or sock drawer (laughs) but you can declutter your underwear too yeah (laughs) go commando it's the only way to be a real minimalist (laughs) number 13 clear five items from your kitchen counter Clear all the items from your kitchen mm. counter. We just did an episode about kitchen clutter with Max Lugavere. I think you'll enjoy that episode. You can go back and listen to the entire kitchen clutter episode. Number 14, remove excess towels and linens from your linen closet. That reminds me of when I was dealing with my mom's stuff. It looked like someone was running a hotel out of her linen closet with all the mismatched bath towels and dish towels and beach towels and bed sheets and blankets and quilts. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of stuff in that closet. Mm. Some of which she used. Yeah. And you could tell because it was the stuff that was reused over and over again that was on top (laughs) and all the other things that smelled a bit musty underneath. (laughs) If it smells musty, maybe that's a sign that you can let it go. Number 15, declutter your laundry space. I have a shared laundry room in my building, so I don't have a laundry space, which makes it easy for me to keep clutter free. (laughs) Right. Sharing. The sharing economy leads to a more clutter free life Mm. quite often because you don't Mm -hmm. have to own all of the things number 16 clear off the tops of your living room side tables or don't have side tables That's another way to do it. We do this every night when we set the stage at night. We've Mm -hmm. talked about this in the past, but we set the stage. We'll spend five minutes or so clearing off any flat surfaces that may have accumulated something throughout the day, whether it was mail or books or remote controls or papers or toys. We clear it out at the end of the night. So we wake up the next morning to a calm, clean, clutter-free house. Few more here. Number seventeen. Minimize your Tupperware. Yeah, or don't use Tupperware because it leaches plastic into your foods. Right. We talked about that during the kitchen clutter episode. Number 18, declutter your shower, keeping only what is essential. You talked about that already, Ryan. Number 19, clear out your medicine chest. Again, finding expired medications because that is one thing with medications. If they're expired, it's not that they are expired so much as they tend to lose their potency. Mm -hmm. Many medications do after their expiration date, but that depends on the medication as well. So go back and listen to that expired items podcast
1: episode. <laughs> you remember Wolf of Wall Street when they uh, took the expired quaaludes? <laughs> <laughs> that could happen with your Tylenol even. Good, really. <laughs> and number 20,
0: return toys to the toy room. Toy room?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Becker's such a minimalist. <laughs> my toy room's right next to my war room. <laughs> <laughs> Retour, return toys to the toy room or bedroom where they belong. Yeah, each night, Ella helps with the, with the setting the stage. And mm. there are some bins that her toys go back into. Mm. They don't belong on the floor or on the counters or anywhere else. They belong in their homes, which are their toy bins. Mm. You can check out that full article from Joshua Becker at becomingminimalist.com. Ryan, let's move on to... This new concept I want to run by you. I want to read those 20 things first because okay. you're this uh term that some vegans will talk about or people who are aspiring to live more healthfully and they have meatless Mondays. Now, mm. we're not going to get into an argument as to whether or not that's more healthy or less healthy or whatever. Or better for the environment or not better for the environment. Yeah, Right. But I got the idea. So it's a, it's about taking a baby step in a direction you want to take it. So what if you had a minimalist Monday? So instead of like, oh, um, yeah, I want to become a minimalist. I want to simplify my life. I want to be more intentional, whatever you want to call it. What if instead of diving all the way in, what if you dip your toe in the water? And one way to do that could be on minimalist Monday. So instead of don't worry about decluttering every day, maybe the 30-day minimalism game is too Aggressive for you, certainly. Mm.
1: Ryan's packing party is too aggressive for you. If yeah, that's the case, especially if you got kids and yeah,
0: spouses and all that stuff. Yeah, your packing party is the veganism of minimalism. I'm
1: feeling like we should have we should have got the website Monday Minimalists. <laughs> I'm sure it's still out there, <laughs> patent pending. Um, and so the
0: the concept is this: what if you take any of these 21st decluttering ideas and just on Monday? Have a reminder in your calendar Monday night after you get home from work, mm-hmm. 6 p.m., 6.30, 7 p.m., whatever it is. I'm going to spend one hour on Monday when I get home just doing one of these things or mm. two of these things. Mm. You could be getting rid of one item, sure, but it could be any of these things, any of these 20 ways that we approach simplifying our lives. Yeah. You don't have to do it every single day. But a year from now, you will have had 52 Minimalist Mondays. And think about the progress you will have made over the course of one year mm-hmm. if you start this Monday.
1: Yeah, I dig it. That's great. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you could take this list of 20 things and do one of them 20, you know, each Monday, 20 weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a great start. Yeah, and then start over the next uh, 20 weeks, because I'm sure,
0: well, here's what happens. Yeah, is right. New clutter shows up occasionally, right? Mm-hmm. We declutter, but then we accidentally re-clutter because life happens to us. Mm-hmm. And so don't you don't have to beat yourself up because you've re-cluttered a space. You could just take these same tactics mm-hmm. and apply them again to get that momentum you need to keep letting go. Here's what I'll tell you, though. Many people who approach the Minimalist Monday the Monday minimalism, they will get rid of things on a random Wednesday or a random Saturday. Right. It will start to carry over into other days of the week. Mm-hmm. So starting somewhere and you start to feel that freedom, that lightness, that calm, that peace. And then you begin letting go somewhere beyond Monday, mm. letting go today. Begets letting go tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You don't have to feel the pressure to do it. You will feel compelled to do it. Mm -hmm. You don't need the discipline to do it. You'll wake up on a random Thursday and say, I really want to clear off the kitchen counter. Mm. And if you feel that impulse, then go ahead and do it. Clear off that kitchen counter now. Don't wait till tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow. Begin letting go when you feel compelled to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Alabama, great, can you read this comment? I wanted to talk to Danny here. I told her uh, she left a comment on our most minimalist foods episode. Maybe you could read this for us.
2: Sure. Here's Danny's comment I love you guys, but after listening to your circular economy and cultist views on food, <laughs> the vibe came through with this episode. So your team gets fed snacks? I would love to listen to an episode on her podcast. Are the minimalists a cult? I still remain a huge fan maybe not so much on this episode. I'm going to try and translate this one.
1: Yeah, because I don't really understand the comment. And by the way, this is a great comment. These these are my favorite comments when they're like, hey, I agree with about half of what you say. And And it's like, awesome. Like you're forming your own opinions. Cool.
0: You would have to have (laughs) split personality to to agree with everything that we say. Right. 100%. Because Ryan and I don't agree with everything that we say. Right. And that's why we bring on these different perspectives. So I think she's referring to three different people, maybe even three different episodes here. Yeah. Let's be really clear. So the circular economy episode is the episode we did with Claire Potter she's an environmentalist yes right now I don't I I, I could see how environmentalism could come off as cultish but Claire Potter certainly doesn't come off as Mm -hmm. as dogmatic in any way not at all and in fact she often seems the opposite Mm -hmm. she is a beacon that is the light for many of us to live more environmentally responsible without pointing and saying, you must do this. You should do this. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to do this. She offers alternatives. Here's another way to live. Here's another way to stimulate the economy Mm -hmm. in a way that is different from our traditional capitalist system. Now, so that was one episode she was referring to. And then she said, cultish, cultish views on food. I can tell you that Max Lugavere is probably the least dogmatic nutrition advice expert nutrition expert yeah that i know in fact he avoids all the the dogma he he will tell you that i don't think a particular diet is sustainable long term Mm -hmm. but i'll applaud anyone who's being intentional yeah and so i i don't see the the cultishness now Mm. Yeah, I, I don't either. I suppose Danny. I, it seems to me Danny's upset that we provide snacks for our team. Yeah, I don't understand.
1: That's the that's the one that really gets
2: me. So like,
0: Jordan, should we? Do you, would you prefer the? Do you feel like we're forcing you to eat snacks? What's going on here? I don't want to answer that question.
1: <laughs> not on the
0: live we're stream. We're not a
3: cult, I swear.
1: See? Yes, yeah, see. Jordan said it himself. <laughs> Thank you. That's so
3: that is, for letting me speak. You're welcome. Danny, you can release his Here, girlfriend now, <laughs> uh,
1: dude. No, uh, the so the cultist the cultist views on food that was surprising. Like, because I, I have no idea what they're talking about. But then, yeah, they're like, so your team gets fed snacks. Like, I,
0: for, I mean, we spend a lot of money to provide a. workplace for people who, if they get hungry, they have access to food.
1: You know what gave me the idea to even get snacks? A... Uh, There are certain points where I'm like, oh man, like before we go to the maximal episode, like I have to eat something, like my I'm feeling off. Uh And then the other one is, is every time we go to a green room, Mm -hmm. like they have like some snacks there before you go on whatever show it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, thinking of guests and stuff, it's like, oh, maybe they want, you know, maybe they're a little hungry and they need something to, you know, feel a little satiated, Mm -hmm. but. I don't understand how snacks can be malicious or cultish I, <laughs> or cultish. I, I yeah. guess if we were forcing, hey, here's how you guys have to eat. But it's like, no,
0: these are available too. If you want to eat them, great. If you don't right. want to eat them, saves me money. Right. Awesome.
1: And then sometimes we take our employees out to lunch. Oh, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they eat lunch with us. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, Danny, I um, I. Appreciate you uh, being a patron. Yes. I don't completely understand what you're saying, but uh, you asked, "Are the minimalist a cult?" And when he said, she said, "I would love to listen to an episode of her podcast." I think she means Amanda Montel. Oh, although, yeah, and uh, we
1: were on her podcast. It just came out, actually. It, right, so you you can listen to Amanda Montel's podcast with the minimalist, and, and- they'll tell
0: you at the end whether or not we're a cult. Yes. They actually. So every time they say it's either it is a cult or it isn't a cult or maybe it's on the cusp of being a cult. Dude, I used
1: to really hate the word cult mainly mm-hmm. because I grew up in a cult and uh it has this, you know, this negative connotation with it. Um but after having a conversation with Amanda Montell and reading her book Cultish, mm-hmm. I'm fully convinced that we're all in some sort of cult. Yeah, uh spoiler alert, so pause
0: this, go ahead 60 seconds. Yeah. If you don't want the uh, the spoiler, but on the episode, her and her co-host, they so they say yes, this is a cult. No, this isn't a cult. Mm-hmm. Or it's borderline cult. Spoiler of that episode, they're both like, nope, not a cult. Minimalism is not a cult. We've done our research.
1: We they went through yeah. all the the different things, and I disagree like, with them. By the way, I think it's a total cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's so not in the negative, not in the negative connotation, right? But the
0: way and so. Amanda's a linguist, and so she yeah. she talks about what requ- what is required of a cult, and there's coercion, and mm-hmm. so we don't coerce anyone.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So
0: when you talk about it being a, a cult, requires some sort of... Co- now There it, has to be coercion involved. She, and so uh, what she said here on our podcast, sure, there could be some cultish aspects of minimalism, but gotcha. we don't coerce anyone. And so I respect Danny by saying if it feels like we're... Con- coercing anyone, then yeah, obviously that would be cultish behavior. And we're not in.
1: Yeah, that's not something we do.
0: I don't even (laughs) want to convince you of anything. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you are looking for the episode or the minimalist occult, you can check that out over on Sounds Like a Cult. That's the name of her podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she says, I still remain a huge fan. Maybe not so much this episode. I think she means the uh, the minimalist foods episode. Here's the irony of that. And we got a lot of backlash for that episode but I will say... Oh, did we? Well, well, hold on. Okay. So we got a lot of backlash, but it's also the episode that brought in more patron new patrons, than any in the last several months. Oh, wow. And so it goes to show you the thing... And more people got more value from that at the same time. So I think more patrons got more value from the most minimalist foods episode Mm -hmm. than they have of a bunch of other previous episodes. And so that also means the more value, the more will also offend some people as well. Yeah. And so it's kind of how it works, isn't it? Danny, I'm sorry if you are offended. I will tell you, I didn't offend you though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only you have the power to be offended, Danny. No, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the comment. Yeah, thanks and for the feedback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was going to say Josh and I always appreciate some good feedback. And this is like this is feedback. It's not this isn't criticism. This isn't Danny just like shitting on our work and flying away. This is like her giving us some feedback. So yeah, thanks thanks for that. So what what was the backlash with that up? I don't read the comments or anything, but like what, what was some of the backlash we got? I'm just curious. Jessica was uh sending me some stuff. It's just a lot of people and it was
0: the the public version in particular. Right.
1: Uh, uh, the public
0: yeah the <laughs> youtube comments were full of the and we'll be talking about this next week with jo- dr john deloney we already recorded the episode with yeah. him but uh the do betters
1: oh get out yeah. of here yeah yeah do-betters. a lot of a lot
0: of people just drop they, the seagulls that want us to quote do better it's a moralistic stance when people come in and they i'm better well you know what we'll just address it next week with on the podcast you know what with, I'll with say? john the, deloney
1: but you know leaving a comment of do better uh that is the polite um, seagull, <laughs> the, pol- <laughs> the polite uh, criticism, I guess. I mean, it's still very, it's lazy feedback because what does that even mean? And yeah, we do get into that with uh, uh, John, but uh, but yeah, that's that's funny. All right, we can move on. Sorry. <laughs> Looks like we
0: got some surprise questions, Malabama. Let's do it. Let's start with a question from Nadine.
2: What are some things you can say to help encourage your aging parents to declutter with you while they're still able to make their own decisions?
1: How do you make your parents declutter? Josh, how do you (laughs) coerce? I mean, I wish...
0: So here's what I wish I would have done differently before my mother passed away. Because I didn't want to be burdened with her stuff. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize it at the time. I knew that... I didn't realize how daunting it would be. So the first thing I would have done is I would have gotten a better understanding of how daunting it would be Mm -hmm. to me. Because as I talked about on the minimal episode, I spent 12 days like a full-time job simply sorting through her stuff. Yeah. And my initial impulse was to store it all in a storage locker. But I knew then I would be charging my future self to hold on to these things. Mm -hmm. How much money... Is this going to cost me? And so the lesson there was also, it's going to cost me $220 a month in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. But also getting rid of this stuff. I'm going to have to hire some people, bring some people over, do some stuff. How much is this going to cost me? It's an important lesson. Because let's say I spent $2,000 getting rid of my mom's stuff. Okay. Well, that just means that it's a $2,000 lesson mm-hmm. that I learned because if I understand the gravity of the situation, how much this is actually going to weigh me down, mm-hmm. then I would have been able to approach my mom in a way that said, hey, would you be willing to help me go through some of this stuff together? Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to let go of some of these things I know I don't want? Mm-hmm. Because I know I'd love to hold on to this, 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 and this or a handful of sentimental items that served a purpose for me or were decorative mm-hmm. that I enjoyed holding on to. But the other thing has got in the way of that joy. Mm. And so if I could have communicated better with her upfront, would you be willing to those five words? Would have totally saved my time, made me less stressed, would have made the entire experience of letting go of her things less chaotic. Would you be willing to? Mm. What's what's she going to say? No, I'm not willing to unburden you. Right. I only want you to feel a burden. Of course not. My mom didn't want me to be burdened by any of her stuff. She didn't realize, just as I didn't realize how burdensome the generational junk was going to be. Yeah. And so if she didn't deal with it, I'm going to have to deal with it with compound interest mm. because so many of these things compounded over time. And as she held on to something that was sentimental, she stored it away, stopped thinking about it, mm. got a new thing that was sentimental, stored it away, stopped thinking about it, collected all of these supposed sentimental things that were not actually sentimental to her because Mm -hmm. she wasn't accessing them. She wasn't using them. They were tucked away in her bed or in a dresser or in a drawer or a cabinet or a closet. She wasn't getting value from those things, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but she held on to them because she thought maybe either she would get value from them in some hypothetical future or someone after her would get value from them. And the thing is, that's partially true. It's just that I wasn't the one who was going to get value from it. Mm. It was going to drain the value from my life. Why? Not because there was anything wrong with those things, but because I had to spend my most precious resources, my time, my attention, my energy, my money, my skill set, getting rid of these things. Mm. That was a wonderful training ground for minimalism. It allowed me to develop that muscle of letting go, but it's not a great place to start. Dealing with sentimental items. As we talked about earlier, we don't want to start in the most difficult places. We want to start with areas that are easy for us to let go. Mm. And the truth is, it wasn't easy to let go of my mom's stuff. Mm. And so I would have communicated that to her way beforehand. Would you be willing to help? Because this is going to be really difficult if it's just me alone sorting through all of your excess things.
1: Yeah, I like that because what you're doing is you're essentially asking your loved one for some support and maybe they don't even see it. So they're just going to keep holding up. But if you can help them see like, Hey, like th- the things that you're holding on to, this is actually going to, it's going to be a burden for me later. Yeah. Would you be willing to help me go through s- some of this stuff right now? Mm-hmm. Cause maybe they don't even see that it's a burden, just like your mom didn't see that it was going to be a burden. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, when I was helping my grandmother, my Oma get rid of, uh, some of her stuff when my grandfather passed away, she had to, uh, yeah, she had to move out of the house that she was in for like 20 years, 25 years. There's a lot of stuff. And I think where I started with her was like the expired food. <laughs> just like, I'm in mean, the cabin. I saw, you know, this quick pancake mix and it was like, you know, expired three years prior. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. there's probably other things in here. So I was like, hey, Oma, can I go through and uh, get rid of some of this, this expired food? She's like, yeah, go for it. But yeah, that was much easier to deal with. than like, yeah, her Stein collection or, uh, yeah, her, her precious memories from her husband. And yeah, that was, uh, that was a process, but she, um, yeah, she was able to let go of a lot. A few things to
0: note here. Our memories are not in our things. Our memories are inside us. And quite often we get tied up and we associate those memories with our things. And then we start to cling to those things Mm. because we think we're clinging to the memories but as soon as you realize, not just intellectually, but you realize that in your heart, I've got these memories regardless, mm-hmm. well, then you're able to start letting go of the things without losing the memories to those things.
2: Mm.
0: So um, Nadine, one other thing that I, would, that I would think about is eventually you might reach a point where you have to sort through a family member's things. Right, And and it's going to be really burdensome, like we talked with Jordan about earlier on the Minimal episode. You can elicit help from people as well. You don't have to do this alone. I know it can feel incredibly isolating Mm. to start decluttering, especially decluttering someone else's stuff after they've passed away. One thing that our friend Colin Wright did when he was getting rid of his excess stuff is he had what he called a yard sale room, except every item in that yard sale room was free. Mm -hmm. And he invited friends and family over and he said, hey, I want you to go in that room. Anything in that room you're allowed to take home as long as you do two things. One is you know you're going to get some sort of value or you think you're going to get some sort of value from it. And two, you don't show me what you're taking. (laughs) Because as soon as you show me, it's going to trigger that emotion in me. I might grasp for that thing one more time. Mm -hmm. So don't show me. And yes, don't just grab a thing for grabbing it for the sake of grabbing it. Grabbing it because you feel as though you can get value from it or someone you know will get value from it. Mm -hmm. You're helping me through my own letting go process. Yeah. We have Mm -hmm. a question here from Janine.
2: This is awkward to admit, but my mom's ashes are in my attic. I just don't know what I can legally do with them. What are my options besides keeping a loved one on my mantle?
1: Ryan did some illegal stuff with my mom's ashes. (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, but I would put random name tags on the ashes. <laughs> we, we had fun with it. It was, and it was like the smallest little urn. Yes. Like, I don't know. What did you do with like the majority of her ashes? I just mixed up my coffee every morning. <laughs> oh my God. So now she's with you.
0: <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> oh God. Uh, no, seriously. What did you do with like the majority of her ashes? I, um uh, oh, spread them in St. Pete. That's right.
1: That's yeah. Right.
0: And then you kept a little urn for yourself. I, well, then I spread those in Dayton eventually and got rid of the urn as
1: well. Yeah. Which, because my mom was not in the urn. Right, I didn't even question. But is that is it legal to spread ashes? Is it technically illegal to spread someone's ashes?
3: I'm not
0: telling you to spread ashes or not spread ashes. <laughs>
1: you're just
3: talking about what you've done. With yeah, it's it, been you're, over seven years. Yeah, I think it actually depends on the area. I mean, there's yeah. some places that kind of look down on it. Like I, I had looked into. There's a place, the highest place in Tennessee, is in the Smoky Mountains called Clingman's Dome. Mm. And well, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Done, yeah? Um, so and there's, there's a place. Charlie's was, Bunyan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a place I was really fascinated with as a youth. And I thought, oh, I think when I pass, I would like to be cremated and have my ashes spread there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's National Park Service, right? They legally, you can't do that. Now, do people go up, though, and wait till yeah. no one's around mm-hmm. and do things like that? Of course they do. Yeah. Legally, though, that's an area where, yeah.
0: It's a little gray area. Yeah. Mm.
3: So part of my mom is
0: swimming the. Uh, Tampa Bay
3: <laughs> Which is kind of surprising I got to say real quick I want to interrupt you on that though Because your mom was was Catholic mm-hmm. Right That um, Of course my family's Catholic as well And when my dad passed They're very like The Catholics They're fine with cremation mm-hmm. The specifics are though You have to keep all the ashes together mm. And at some point The ashes have to be buried in a Catholic cemetery. Oh, Those are, like, as far as Catholicism, those are the specifics. Well, I it.
1: feel like your mom was Catholic. No, my mom was, like, was she uber-Catholic?
0: Was yeah. she uber-Catholic? Okay. So she, here's how Catholic she was. She went to church six days a week. She just didn't go on Sundays because that's when the fake Catholics went, she oh, said. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, she that. was so Catholic because, like, she was a nun before mm, she had me, right? Okay. And she was still practicing Catholic when she had keys to the church. That's how Catholic mom was. <laughs> wow. um, and how, but what I'll say is that she didn't really buy into certain dogmas like that. And, mm. and she said, well, once I'm gone, I'm gone. I'm going to be in heaven. And my ashes are just my ashes. My body's my body. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like in my will. My, it's, my, my will says that like you and Bex can decapitate me, shoot my body out of a cannon, use my head as a soccer ball it literally says this in my will
1: yeah it does and and I'm the one that gets to decide I know (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited
0: Uh, (sighs) if it brings you great joy oh that'd be wonderful right we're gonna have a soccer game
1: yeah for for your funeral
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh I'd love it and so yes, I guess part of my mom was swimming around Tampa Bay, and then every time I'd go over to Ryan's condo, I'd sprinkle a few ashes on his carpet. Oh my god, I felt like I was getting haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have any serious uh, uh, commentary oh, right, man, for yeah. Janine?
1: Um, I think he said it best about the 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 ashes are not uh, th- your your mother is not in those ashes. I mean, f- physically, yes, there are some you know burnt. F- flesh that is there but like that's not your mom and with that said it's like you can do with them whatever you want like yeah I would encourage you to do something that has meaning um, but even if you don't that's okay yeah and by the way meaning can mean different things to you Ryan mm-hmm. and
0: I jokingly when I had the little urn and he would come over put little name tags on it and like he had a name tag that said Chloe and then because originally before the one that said Alex and I'm like, oh, we should at least put her name on it. And so like and, and so yeah. it had a, a na- like a, a customer service name tag and then like <laughs> we would talk to her and, and and so like worst customer service agent ever. <laughs> Why are you stonewalling me? Uh, anyway, she. She. Uh, uh, she was there in spirit, but we mm-hmm. knew that there wasn't the person there yeah. hiding in the urn. And so it was meaningful to me and Ryan because one of the ways that we dealt with tragedy is through levity mm-hmm. and being willing to joke about something as profo- profoundly sad as losing a parent is one way to grieve. Yeah. And your
1: mom would have, she would have laughed at all Oh, of she jokes. would have
0: loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so... I guess I would throw this question back on Janine and say, what do you feel compelled to do, and not compelled by society, like you're supposed to bury the urn, or or you're mm-hmm. supposed to be in a particular cemetery, or you're supposed to have ashes on a mantle? Like that was the jo- I had a mantle in my apartment, so that mm-hmm. that was the only thing on <laughs> the mantle where it was that little tiny urn. Yeah, it's not what society says you're supposed to do. What do you feel compelled to do? and you can let go
3: in a way that is most compelling to you. And I would mm. just briefly jump in. Um, so I joked around with my... I, I felt the same way about my ashes, even though I was raised Catholic. I just told my wife, Diana, I said, you know, cremate me. I really don't care what you do afterwards because I'll be gone. I mean, my body's left, right? The bones will be the cremation, but I really don't care what you do with it because I'll be dead. Uh, but... um because I said, you can put me in one of those like soup, little soup containers or something. Uh, but I thought for an idea I had later, though, I thought for the family, if if it's something they wanted uh, more than burying me in a cemetery or something like that. I said, put my ashes, I'd dig a hole, put my ashes in the hole, plant a tree over me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Now yes. there's something that's a living thing mm-hmm. that's going to benefit in some way, right, from my my remains yeah. and I in a way become part of that living thing that if future generations of the family want to visit yeah they could visit a relative
1: your tree. yes and if it's an apple tree they could eat Mm-hmm. Podcast Sean,
3: <laughs> we, it's, it's a new variety of apple. It's going to be a bitter ass tree. Let's we'll say that <laughs> oh bitter ass fruit. Dude,
1: well, well, they actually do have that. Um, I've seen that where they will. You can basically, yeah, you can put your body in a a whole tree system and like grow a tree out of your like you know you, they use you use your body as fertilizer essentially.
0: That's a beautiful way to do it, yeah. as
1: opposed to the ashes,
0: because the ashes aren't going to do much. But if you have an actual decomposing body, right, it can provide fertile fertile soil for something to grow right yeah, yeah. now here's what i'll say one last thing janine did your mom tell you what she wanted done with her ashes and if so was it reasonable mm-hmm. because here's what you don't want to do with her ashes and she's like please whatever you do don't spread me throughout the tampa bay sorry mom ha, <laughs> ha, ha. right but as long as it was reasonable what did she want yeah did she communicate that with you and also, what was her tradition? Because I also want to be respectful of other religious traditions. And if someone mm-hmm. else is like, hey, here's what I would like you to do with my ashes, as long as it's reasonable, I would respect that. Yeah. If they're asking for something unreasonable, that's a, a different story. Mm-hmm. But I would do anything within reason had my mom asked. But she uh, she specifically said she wanted to be spread in the Tampa Bay and... Therefore, she was, yeah. allegedly, as long as that's not illegal. Oh, wait, we're <laughs> past the statute of limitations.
1: That's right. Yeah, you can admit it now.
0: Take that, city of St. Petersburg. <laughs> <laughs> we got another question here from D. Anne.
2: I tried asking relatives if there were things they would like me to leave to them when I go, but it gave them the wrong impression and just made them worried about me instead. What's the best way to approach this topic?
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating how we have to sometimes... We have to approach these topics or broach these topics yeah. carefully, right? Mm-hmm. Because I could see there's a way, hey, would you like me to uh, give you anything if I were getting ready to die?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? Like, It's all about the framing of that. Right. And so the way that I would per- personally approach it, hey, look, I'm 40 years old right now and I think I'm going to live another 40 years. hmm but if I were to die sooner than that, which I don't think I'm going to, mm-hmm. what would you like me to do with myself? How would you? and so approaching it that way by saying, "Hey, look, I think I'm going to be here for a long time," yeah, and but we are scared to death to talk about death. We have an essay on our website called that actually, and it talks about yeah. all the things that I've done to prepare for death. Simple things like a last will and testament or a living will, power of attorney, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. By having these documents together, now I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I already have it all laid out. Sean mm-hmm. will put a link to that in the show notes. It's just com slash death. But setting that expectation up front is so important, but doing so in a way that
1: doesn't freak people out. Yeah. Yeah, a bet of a bit of Deanne here went and reframed it a little bit. She might get a little bit better of a response, but yeah, it does suck. Like talking about death and hey, what do you, what do you want to do when I'm gone? I mean, it's it's something that uh, yeah, that we we avoid talking about. But yeah, I totally agree. Reframing it will will definitely help you out. It it's, only sucks in our culture though, because in other yeah. cultures, it's celebrated. Well, you know, it's, I was having a conversation with someone. Um, it was. Like an old childhood friend of Mariah's, we were at a wedding. We were sitting at the same table, and I forget what what brought up the conversation. But I was explaining to her, I'm like, yeah, it was like it was was really kind of relieving when I finally accepted the fact that like oh I'm not going to make it out of here alive like no one makes it <laughs> out of here alive you know I mean today everyone will make it out alive but you know in the general sense of the earth and life <laughs> no one makes it off of this planet alive uh, it is there is a 100% death rate <laughs> of being human beings so uh, I was like kind of explaining that to her and I was joking about it and she like the look on her face was like, like I, I don't think I've accepted that yet <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I was like, I'm not trying to like be negative Nelly here. It's just, just the, I was just trying to share an experience of like how freeing it was for me to finally realize. Cause I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, you're raised to believe that Armageddon's going to come. You're never going to die. So they, they, they put this false hope in you that, hey, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to fix everything and you're going to live forever. And by the way, with you, there isn't even going to be a
0: gap. Like for some people, it's like they're going to sleep for a while and right. be risen with you because you were so young. It was like, hey, Ryan, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about graduating high school because Armageddon is going to happen right. before you're
1: 18. We're in the final days of the last days of the last hours. of. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: It's a great first line to like a a (laughs) apocalyptic novel. By the way, I'm reading a a new novel right now. I think it's going to be a added value segment on a future episode. I was talking to Danny about this yesterday. It's called The Every. It's by Dave Eggers. And it's a follow-up to his book, The Circle. Did you ever...
1: I did not read The Circle, but I know of it. There's a movie that came out. There is, and it's really good. And
0: it's pretty true to the book as well. So either watch the movie, The Circle, has Tom Hanks in it, and um, a few other really talented actors and actresses. Um, And the book, though, The Every, it's weird because there are moments in there that are dystopian, that are supposed to be dystopian. But I see them as like, oh, wow, if we didn't use that, For coercion, this is actually utopian. Mm. That's the problem with dystopian is when it's used to control other people. When utopia controls other people, it becomes dystopian. Oh, wow. There's this one scene in particular. So the company, the circle, slight spoiler alert, but you find this out in the first chapter or so. Mm -hmm. The the company, the circle from the first book turns into a company called the every. They basically Mm. buy Amazon. The Uh, circle is Facebook plus Google plus a few other tech companies. Okay. They sort of buy Amazon. They become this bigger company. They don't call it Amazon in the book. They call it the jungle. But uh, you, you get the idea that they buy this this company and they become the largest you know, uh, company in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And as they do it, one of the things they do is they provide a service that is very similar to like $1scan.com where you can send in your photos, scan them, and then they sort of incinerate the photos. And to mm-hmm. me, it's like, wow, it's an awesome service if I'm choosing to do right. that. yeah. If you're forced to do that, it's like, well, wait a minute.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's not coerce anyone to do it. This isn't something that you must do. It's something that can be freeing if you feel compelled to do it, Yeah, but not if you feel coerced to do it. And then they start offering a 3D version of that service, which in the book, at least they. So let's say you have any of Jordan's grandma's things there's this antique purse right mm-hmm. or there's an antique uh, sweater or an antique dresser even right and you can send them into the every they 3D scan it so it can be oh. 3D printed at any time like you could uh, oh
1: something 3D printed I was thinking VR like you can go into virtual reality that and too. Like, experience it yeah, yeah you could
0: experience it that way but they 3D scan it so you always have access to oh. it and I, to me I see that as like That's a billion-dollar idea. Yeah. Because I think many of us would feel much more comfortable letting go of those things Mm -hmm. if we could scan them and have access to them either in VR or in the real world in the future because knowing the truth, we're not actually going to want access to those things. Mm -hmm. I don't care about mom's dresser at this point or her bed Mm -hmm. or the extra container she was holding onto, or her hat boxes or her hats. Mm-hmm. But it would have been really cool if I could have expediently just scanned all of the things that were supposedly sentimental. Yeah. It had a digital inventory of those. Mm-hmm. I may have never accessed them. But there may have been a time where I sat down with Ella when she's a teenager. and said, hey, do you like any of these hats? I could 3D print one of them for you. <laughs> And yeah. you can have one of my mom's hats. Now, Now some people will say, well, that's not actually her hat. And then you get into the sort of continuity error. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, if you have a boat, right, mm-hmm. and you replace it one plank at a time until you have a brand new boat, is it the same boat as before? Right. Yes, technically. No, technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all
1: about your perspective. It's like the whole Star Trek transporting thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, for those who aren't aware, like the whole idea is uh you get disintegrated and then when you go to the ship they basically rebuild you uh-huh and yeah the question is is like is it actually the same person right. or yeah
3: well isn't isn't there now I could be wrong with my science here but I thought don't we completely regenerate like every eight years or something like that? It's about like seven
0: that? years for every cell in your body. But yeah. like your
3: liver, for example, I think it's six weeks. Mm. Six weeks. It completely yeah. regenerates. Yeah, I think into- it's six or eight weeks, something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. It's a short span of time. And so uh, your the your gut lining is like three weeks. Wow. And So, so even our
1: brain regenerates. Uh, there are parts of your
0: brain that mm. don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the only part of the body. But yeah, even mm. brain cells. Yeah. Um, yes. So Interesting. But the rest of your body has a certain time frame in every organ is a little bit different. Your kidneys are different from your liver, which is different from your GI tract and et cetera. Um, And your skin. So you have brand new skin relative to who you were a decade ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so, yes, we, we are constantly regenerating. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Question here from Kristen.
2: How do we handle relatives that insist on us inheriting and taking care of their collections when they're gone?
0: So this is the thing that I was talking to Bex about. I'm like, hey, would your parents like force things onto you? I, you must hold on to this after I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And Bex was like, well, no, and and also thankfully I have brothers and sisters, brother and sisters who'd be willing to take a lot of these things off my hands, so I don't have to worry about any of it at all. Uh, I think one of the things that comes up. There was another question in here where someone talked about like, well. Uh, it was Christine's question. Actually, read Christine's question. I think this ties in nicely, Alabama.
2: How do you say no to taking over the family business? Some small businesses are really proud of their family-owned-for-generations mm. label, and it's hard to ignore that expectation. Mm.
0: Right, but it can become a bit of a prison as well. I remember when we lived in Warren County, Ohio. Ryan, growing up, your dad had a rather substantial painting business there were like 10 nicodemus trucks driving around warren county at one point <laughs> yeah i yeah. remember once we were out somewhere and you you had introduced yourself ryan nicodemus and they said oh like the trucks yeah right and it's because they all the nicodemus painting trucks which were, which were rather unique they they were they look different from any other vehicles and they all just said in pretty clean letters on the side nicodemus mm-hmm. and Yet imagine if you were forced to take over that business right now. Mm. How would that make you feel?
1: Oh, yeah. I would probably just try and sell it or find someone to manage it. But yeah, I it would be a burden for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh the the one thing about physical items though, man, when someone gives you something, it's yours. Including a business. Yeah. And when you have it, you can do whatever you want with it. Yes. And doing something uh, motivated by guilt is probably the wrong context. Um mm. but but doing something motivated by uh you know compassion or even um your own well-being like that's probably the better context.
0: And so we have to get a few layers deep there, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say your father gives you the business, uh hands it down to you. I want you to run this business. It's not that he actually wants you to run the business. Mm-hmm. He wants to You know, in this context, this is a hypothetical example here, but he wants you to be, have some security Mm -hmm. and he feels this is the best way he can contribute to your security. So changing Mm. that narrative, it's not that your father wants you to carry on the legacy or the business. There's always a why behind the what. Yeah. And the why there is, oh, I want him to experience security. Well, why? Because I don't want him to suffer. Why? Mm. Well, because I love him. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, if your family loves you, then the things they're handing down to you is an expression of their love. Even mm-hmm. if you can't get value from it, they're doing their best with the resources, the knowledge, the understanding they have to express their love to you. Yeah. And how wonderful is that? And if it stops adding value, whether it's a business or an heirloom, you can give yourself permission to let go.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting like if I was holding on to something because I was afraid of how so and so was going to react. Like, oh, if I if I let this go, they're going to be mad. Well, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with the with Danny's comment. Um you can't offend someone. Like, you can uh you can make an action and that person can decide how they want to react to it. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I mean, you cannot make someone else angry. If they judge you based on your preferences or your actions like that's on them that's don't take on that responsibility yourself like there's no reason to take on the responsibility of someone else's anger yeah because
0: now obviously we don't want to incite anger of course not we're not trying to escalate no and that's often where we go wrong is like oh i feel offended and therefore my reaction is to want to offend someone else to lash out it's like a low level revenge in a way, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I feel offended, and therefore I have this need for justice, mm. righteousness and Mm -hmm. thus Mm self-righteousness. I'm going to show you why I'm right and why you are wrong. As though that's going to tip the scale, even things out, make everything fair. No, it's just going to make both of you miserable, continuing to escalate. Right. So how do we de-escalate? How do we walk this back? How do we calm the situation? Right. And so if someone's upset, you can acknowledge, and it's not Hey, I'm sorry if you're upset. Hey, I'm so sorry that you are upset. Mm -hmm. I hate to see that because I love you and I care about you. But I'm also not willing to take on the burden of these things. I'm not willing to make myself miserable to make you happy. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I wouldn't say it that way, but that's the understanding that I want to have. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not willing to hold on to these things because, you know what, they actually are going to get in the way. And you don't want them to get in my way, right? Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden they start escalating, escalating, it's always about stepping back, de-escalating, working with them to better understand. Yes, because if they are frustrated, anxious, yes, that those things can be contagious. But you don't have to pick up their anxiety. You don't have to pick up their frustration. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pick up their anger, their judgment. They're insecurities. Mm. Yes, we all have those things. We don't need to borrow them from someone else.
1: Yeah. No, I love what you're saying about de-escalating. It's it's showing someone that you understand where they're coming from, and you know I would add to that showing them respect, however you can. And like when you're doing that, um, that's the best you can do. The way they react based upon that, then that's that's on them. Um, but yeah, I mean there there is a very respectful way to to go about this that uh, won't incite anger
0: there's this old saying you can be right or you can be in love but you can't be both <laughs> and as a person who's right a lot i uh i
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm also in love
0: <laughs> i actually I, I disagreed with that for a long time because it was just like well if i could just convert them to my point of view Yeah. but the essence of what we're saying there is the rightness the righteousness, Mm -hmm. the Mm self-righteousness blocks the love, blocks your understanding of the other person. And so I wouldn't want to go into it ever thinking that I'm right or that I need to convince this other person. Instead, if you go into understand their point of view and then show them your point of view, you're going to get much closer to a detente than if, You go in there and assault them with your righteousness. Yeah. Jessica has a question for us.
2: Were there any generational items that you gave away that you regretted getting rid of?
1: No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I can't think of anything. No. And and there were some things like I held on to just for the heck of it. Like I talk about um, uh, like a prom, my junior prom in Florida, they gave us wine glasses. My senior prom in Ohio, they gave us shot glasses. Which is just weird that it's, you know, <laughs> they're giving us high schoolers drinking paraphernalia <laughs> when we're not old enough to drink. <laughs> um and I held Here out some rolling papers. Right, exactly. Yeah. Here's a bong. Um Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I just remember like looking at those things and thinking, like, oh wow, this is sentimental. This is, you know, prompts supposed to be a big deal, yada yada yada. But then when I was going through my uh stuff after the packing party, yeah, I let it go. And like, I don't that's but those, I remember those being like some of the hardest things to let go of because, man, that was my high school, my high school days, you know? Like, I wanted to hold on to that. I had a good time at prom. I had a good time my junior year, my high school year, or my senior year in high school. So, um, yeah, those are the only things. But as far as generational stuff goes, I I can't even, th- I have a couple steins, you know, I talk about a lot that uh, from my Oma. I use them. They're art. Um, one of them's really silly. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's this so when, when I was helping her get rid of her stuff she had this whole Stein collection I'm like oh you can know, always admire these Stein she's like take them all I'm like no 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 I was like but I'll take one of them and I just chose the goofiest one and it's this Um, it has an American eagle on the top and then it's got uh Hillary and Bill Clinton's picture on the side of it and it's all in German what? about supporting Hillary But it's the most random goofiest ridiculous sign I've ever seen in my life <laughs> But it's it's hilarious. Uh, I mean, it just it fit my it fit my sense of humor because it's just so random. But uh, but yeah, um, uh, 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 yeah, I do have some generational things that I do enjoy. But hey, look, if I had a house fire, knock on wood, um, and I lost those steins, like it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like I, I don't, I am not. My happiness, my contentment, my peace is not reliant on any material possession that I own. You are holding on to them without clinging to them. Right. And that's an
0: important distinction to make because it's a physical... Physically, it looks the same. Mm -hmm. But here in your head and in your heart, it's different. Mm -hmm. The lack of clinging means you're willing to let go of them. If they were to burn up in a fire or if just for some reason... You needed to get rid of them. You wanted to get rid of them. It would not be a big deal to you. Mm-hmm. My honest answer to this question is no. There's nothing that I regret getting rid of. There are some things that I wish I probably would have gotten rid of sooner, but I got mm-hmm. rid of them eventually. And so they're gone now. Yeah. But the problem is when we begin to interweave our memories mm-hmm. into the things. Now, you can't do that physically. There's never a memory in the thing, but we do it here in our heads. Mm. And we start associating that stein with grandma. And then we start to say, well, grandma is part of that stein. And then, of course, when we have that association, it's no wonder we claim. Yeah, mm. Patrons, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, live stream. Do we have anything else we want to chat about on the live stream? Maybe have- one more thing.
2: We have one more question from Carrie. My mom had us pick out any items we wanted, but her home is still full and it weighs her down. Plus, it's hard for her to clean and maintain. How can I help her give herself permission to release the stuff?
0: Mm. Number one, ask her if she wants help. That's the the first thing, because you can't help a drowning person if they don't want help. They will simply drag you in to the waters with them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if she does want help, then I would simply ask, how can I help? What would you, and if they don't know, they say, what would you like to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so overwhelmed by the stuff. Okay. Totally get that you're overwhelmed by the stuff. What would be the ideal outcome for you? Well, to have less of it. Okay. To have less of what specifically? Mm -hmm. And you see how these questions, they lead not to answers, but to new questions Mm -hmm. to get you closer and closer to whatever you're trying to figure out. Because what do you want for your mom? You want less anxiety. You want to help her through these things. Mm-hmm. And so if she wants help, great. You can't force it on her because that's actually called theft. You can go to her <laughs> house and to help her get yeah. rid of all of her things. And yeah. she comes home she's like, hey, wh- what happened to all my stuff? Oh, don't worry. I helped you out. Yeah. Well, that's not a way. Wh- I mean, it's like that New Yorker cartoon where it's like, the, the the robbers have broken in the house and, and tied up the family and they've stolen all their things and they said, this is your opportunity to start over. Don't blow it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we can't force that help onto them. But you can ask, would you be willing to accept some help? Mm. How can I help? And let those questions lead you down the path of letting go.
1: Yeah. What I hear you saying is dig at and find out what the why is and the why will lead to the what yes
0: yeah. every time mm-hmm. patrons thank you so much this is all we got today yeah I'm grateful for you amen we've got you a new month is right around the corner you can start the 30 day minimalism game Ryan tonight will be in Minneapolis finishing the love people use things tour in America we still have Canada uh, Toronto vancouver you can come out and see us at either one of those tour stops i believe those are in october and uh other than that do we have anything oh the ramsey stuff where uh if you want to help out if you want to help us help some kids stay out of debt their entire life the minimalists.com slash education patrons we appreciate your willingness to contribute however you can contribute thanks again love people use things we'll see you soon
1: thanks y'all